Oh, man. Bonsai! We made it. I'm Drew here with my sister, Ashley, and best darn friend, Derek. <laughs> and we just got back from August 17th, 1984. The past. Ashley, what were we doing there? Well, each week we travel back in time to some would say the best year ever <clears throat> to watch whatever movie just hit theaters. And like head up the Scientology Center? Oh, yeah. But before we talk about that, let's find out what we watched. Buckaroo, President's on line one, calling about is everything okay with the alien space club from Planet 10, or should he just go ahead and destroy Russia? Tell him yes on one and no <laughs> on two. Or zero. Experience the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. Rated PG. Where's the song? Check mm-hmm. newspapers for selected theaters. Which was yes, destroy Russia or uh, the number two? <laughs> what All a right. weird clip to play in the, the trailer. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't really make sense for the movie, but it's okay. Yeah, happens uh, with about three minutes left in the film. So, what did we watch, Ashley? <laughs> sure. So, uh, that was The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. <laughs> Got the full title? Yeah, that's the entire... Well, yeah, that's the entire... Probably cut-down title. Um, It's rated PG, and the tagline is, Your only hope is Buckaroo Banzai. They were really excited about the name Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, they sure were. (laughs) Just had to repeat it twice. I mean, Buckaroo Banzai, we might talk about the names in a little bit, is is a goofy name in itself, and the title you know being long being just like a run-on sentence as part of the the joke um that the movie's sort of calling back to 50s old school sci-fi movies and stuff like that the poster i would say is has this like retro font orange and and um blue and and peter weller's big mug on um looking down on the other people that he's in the movie with um so it's kind of the classic like giant figure on a poster um, with some some co-stars and in, in little boxes. Uh, should we address the Scientology thing real quick before we move on? Oh yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, so we watched um, a movie about aliens and then naturally Derek's first thought after that was to visit a Scientology center and get a little more info because the movie was so convincing that other life exists that he just wanted to get to the bottom of this whole like you know scientology thing especially like when it was in its infancy i i did look up when scientology started and it was like the 50s technically Mm -hmm. but i feel like i didn't start hearing about it until i don't know the 2000s the 90s yeah yeah so i would say in the 80s there was no stigma it was maybe just cool um but Derek went through the whole auditing process. Derek, did they ask you any tough questions? Uh, I mean, yes, they did. But it's... Are you allowed to say? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that I thought I was once 100% human. And mm. apparently that's not true. Um, I, I can't tell you the 5% that uh, is bionic. I mean, uh, I'm not supposed to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> did you run into any other celebrities there? Um. <clears throat> Can you talk about it? Uh, no. I, wow, I mean, they, I, uh, alien mm. got your tongue? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it is a, between the, the space travel, the auditing process, and an absolute trip of a movie. I can imagine why 
<laughs> you're struggling a, a little bit. So Ashley, um, speaking of struggling, great, thanks. You are you are solely responsible for catching everyone up to speed in 15 seconds on the plot of this movie. <laughs> Good luck. Ooh, okay, ready, go. Uh, Buckaroo Banzai and his squad open up the eighth dimension with an oscillation overthruster, which creates a crossfire between Earth and multiple groups of aliens. <laughs> what? That's the most important part? Well, that's what happens. <laughs> and then they have, sp- they have battles and then they save the world. You think you're going to distract us with fancy words like oscillation thruster and, and <laughs> just get yes. the whole plot of the movie out, out of the way with that one word? Yeah. I mean, that's what happens, though. They open it up and then aliens battle each other and then they win. Yeah. I mean, I guess we're not, we can't expect you to do a blow by blow Thank synopsis you. of every inane event that happens in the movie. But there is, I think that's, um, that's what's called a MacGuffin when there's this like one mysterious piece of technology or things that the characters mm-hmm. are supposedly looking for. But y'all pointed out in the theater that uh, one of the characters just had it in their her purse, right? Yeah, the entire time. And I'm not, I don't really understand. Well, it yes. It's a see through purse as well. Yeah. So I don't see how they couldn't get it from her. And they were like torturing her throughout the movie to try and figure out where this overthruster was when it was in her purse. So, yeah. Hmm, I don't really know. <laughs> You're saying this movie had plot holes? Just like a couple. I mean, is a movie like this even capable of having plot holes? I, I don't know. If it's a whole, if the entire thing is a whole, can it have a plot hole? You're right. I don't right. know. Um, one thing that you kind of left out uh, that's in the IMDb description is that the main character, Buckaroo, is an adventurer, brain surgeon, rock musician, and he has a whole crime fighting team called the Hong Kong Cavaliers. Yeah. Which, <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, this movie will be going along um, with, one crazy little you know mission after another and then another few more characters will just show up it was mm-hmm. definitely hard to keep track of his his band of well his literal band and also his <laughs> band of crime fighters so what was your backstory with this movie or movies that are similar to this ashley uh so no backstory with this movie whatsoever never saw it never heard of it Surprisingly, Have you even um, heard of it? no, Mm-mm. for some reason in my head, I wanted to, I was thinking of like Crash Bandicoot because that's what came to my mind, but <laughs> clearly not close, but he's like an adventurer. So there's like some parallel, but uh, my only backstory is kind of like more of like the cheesy sci-fi route. Mm. So growing up, um, Drew, my brother and I used to watch a lot of um, horror movies with our uncle and grandmother. And I remember watching Killer Clowns from Outer Space with them, which is very cheesy and also a cult classic. Um, yep. And it, I really, I love that movie. Killer I've seen clowns, it several times since. Killer Tomatoes. Um, Attack of the Killer Woman. Yeah, <laughs> Killer anything. Uh, I actually, I don't know if I watched Killer Clowns when we were younger because I watched it recently, uh, uh, you know, like six months ago. And I thought mm-hmm. it seemed like the i would have remembered how insane the clown design and effects were because like they're legitimately scary but the movie Mm -hmm. itself is such a like farce that i would have loved to see that movie made like a little more on the scary end of things this one was meant to be an action parody 
Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they could have played it up the like serious action more or not. Uh, but in the case of Killer Clowns, I would have loved that to have been like closer. Like they could remake that. I know oh, this yeah. is not a Killer Clowns podcast. <laughs> they could remake that as a straight up horror movie. And that might be uh, kind of awesome. Yeah, this one was more like Spaceballs, but not as good. Yeah, Derek, since your backstory is kind of related to mine, what, um, what's your backstory with this movie? My friend Caleb said that we should go see this movie. For whatever reason, I don't really remember, aside from the fact that uh, he was, he's deathly afraid of invisible aliens. And there is that kind of a concept like that in this film. Um, but yeah, he invited me and then I invited you. And we saw it at one of the coolest theaters in Portland. Yeah, we saw it at the Hollywood Theater, you know, maybe like two years ago. And somehow <laughs> I remember having an awesome time. And yet I didn't really remember anything that happened in the movie. <laughs> I think that kind of speaks to some of the the investment in the story that, that you can expect here. Um, and I had even seen it. It's kind of it's one of those movies where I definitely didn't see it growing up or wasn't really aware of it as a cult classic. But I had this friend, uh, Trey and Morro Bay, who insisted that we watch it one day and we probably were uh, drunk or something. And it was it was a really fun time. And then by the time several years, a couple years after that, I saw it in the Hollywood, didn't remember a thing again, had a good time. Uh, and then we just saw it again, and cer- certainly my mind will be wiped in in two years' time from now. So, <laughs> good movie to revisit in that respect. Um, Ashley, let's get into the specifics of the movie. Was there one thing you loved or hated about it? Yeah, so I'll go with loved. Um, cool. Well, this is this is new coming from you. I know, and I usually hate on things, especially the past couple weeks. But with this one, um, I really loved all the character names. Trope alert! So there's this trope called meaningful names. I hate to always like steal your thunder. It's okay, you can have it. Drew's cutting in with another trope alert. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So uh, the meaningful names trope pretty much speaks for itself. Um, there, you, I even was going to mention a second ago, Crash Bandicoot. He's fast and crashes into things. Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, (laughs) (laughs) you can see, you see that a lot in video games, um, because you don't need, you don't expect like deep character development, but in movies, it's a bit of a shortcut. Um, (laughs) and so what do you think, like, what did you love about the names in this movie? Well, I liked how they weren't trying to be serious at all. (laughs) So just like Crash Bandicoot or anything. um, I'll just give you a few and then we'll talk about them later. But um, there's like John Big Booty or Big Bootay. Penny Pretty, the love interest slash um, twin. I guess we can talk about that too (laughs) later. Perfect perfect Tommy, Buckaroo Banzai. Um, There's just some really solid names throughout. It says... um and to quote the trope from a really cool website, tvtropes.com, it says, the full name says something primal about the character, often has multiple layers, eh, in this case. Mm. Um, and it is sometimes obscured with an, an alternate spelling or foreign equivalent. Um, do y'all remember the killer joke I made last week about Hunger Games? Nope. Probably wasn't very good, so. PETA 
from Hunger oh, Games <laughs> is a baker. So that's a good example of a meaningful name. Nice. Um, that was actually oh, mentioned. It was actually mentioned in the um, on the trope page. So oh, so not original. Interesting. <laughs> not original, but I was validated. Mm. Um, what was your what's your favorite one from this movie? I think Ooh, I can guess. Big Boutte. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they got a lot of mileage out of that juvenile joke. Everyone. So John Lithgow's character's sidekick is Big Booty, but he keeps correcting people. Um, the big, the Big Booty himself always makes sure it's got a accent mark on it, so it's Big Bootay, mm-hmm. um, which is still French Alien. It's oh, wait, is that that's the Christopher Lloyd character? It's yeah, just oh. mm-hmm. but he's mostly in alien makeup. Even yeah, though they do alien show form. Him. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's uh, right. Sorry, I don't want to break the the mystery of the movie. Yeah, it's not. They are <laughs> they are fully transformed. It was convincing. Remember, Derek <laughs> believed it. Yeah. Oh, Derek's friend. No, Derek going to Scientology after watching this. Well, yeah. I mean, I think he was um, just <laughs> caught up in the the excitement of every of everything. <laughs> it was the eighties, after all. Fair. So, one of my. Uh, things I hated, uh, even though I am gonna, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna cheat and do two. I, but since we just mentioned it, um, the alien design, mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, which brings me to my second trip alert. <laughs> Aliens are bastards. They're ugly, obviously inhuman, and of course they're not friendly. They'll steal our women. Yep. Uh, natural resources and leave nothing behind. So this movie even references um, We're All the Worlds. And one of the movies that we watched actually growing up that uh, fits in this vein is Mars Attacks, which is another Ooh. like, yeah. I remember that vividly uh, mm-hmm. growing up. That's, a, that's like very much a spoof of these types of movies. But what did y'all think about the like alien the transformation or if you don't want to call it makeup it was really bad yeah well you can tell it's just like a yeah like a suit like a alien suit they just put on better or there worse wasn't really than, a lot of makeup better or worse than starfighter worse Derek? also don't want to steal any of ashley's trivia but i imagine that none of those actors could see out of those eyeballs i imagine they couldn't Derek. Ooh. Oh, I can cut the I tension. Just, I just guessed. <laughs> I, is that really tri- tri- uh, trivia? No, I'm a liar. It's not my trivia. It just seemed like they would not be able to see through those masks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the acting through the masks was uh, <laughs> lacking. So, <laughs> yeah, the action scenes with the, I mean, yeah. Let's just let's get to a high note. <laughs> I'm sorry. Part, no, 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 no. That was a good point. I just kind of, I don't want to dwell on the things that uh, on the negative. So, boy, does this movie go out on a, a high note? <laughs> <laughs> there's um, there's a scene that's sort of post credits, post when they tease the sequel. Do you y'all remember what the sequel was called? Because they actually give it a title. Mm, no. Bokuru, Bonsai, and the Crime Squad? Something Maybe. Like that. Yeah, they did. I, I feel like or several... world, something like the world or something. Yeah. How oh, Bokuru, watch... Bonsai against the World Crime League. <laughs> right. Basically, Justice League, Avengers yeah. style. Mm-hmm. Um, 
very presumptuous that this movie would do well. Oh, I, okay, it just came to me. Conan was the other movie we watched that had a um, <laughs> title card at the end. This was already the second Conan, and there would not end up being a second. And unfortunately, there would not end up being a Buckaroo 2. Um, but Derek, can we hear just a little taste of that scene before I describe it? Makes me so happy. God, it is so good. Yeah, so to, to set the scene, the characters all um, have just defeated the aliens. We're all hyped up for the sequel. And then they start appearing one by one in this like concrete uh, landing zone area, walking just forward towards the camera in their cool outfits the characters uh will describe soon enough what <laughs> what they're wearing <laughs> but it's just this like 80s music video with um all the characters just assembling and it really takes you out on a, a high note it goes on throughout the whole like you know while the credits are playing and if a movie starts well and ends well it really goes a long way towards leaving you that's probably why Every two years when I watch this movie, I feel like I really uh, loved it. And then I remember. And then you watch or, it. <laughs> and then the, then I forget the whole the whole middle part. <laughs> well, and um, that song, they actually didn't have ready for the ending sequence yet. So they've had to play a different song while they were walking. Any guesses what they played? Uh, um, they played Uptown Girl. Nice. Billy Joel instead. <laughs> so they walked to that. Which Great is also trivia. very upbeat and fun. Mm-hmm. Well, so since we're in the neighborhood, let's uh let's go ahead and do choose your character. Pew pew pew. Yay! So this is the segment where we walk into an arcade in 1984, and there's a buckaroo bonsai across the eighth dimension console sitting there. Somehow they fit the whole title along the top edge. And we are scrolling through this side, this side like scroller action type game and picking which character we want to play with. Um, maybe it's a co-op game, but either way, we're going to look down the list and see who we want to personify. Ashley, what are you thinking? Sure. So I'm going to go with Perfect Tommy. <laughs> so he's like this beautiful six foot plus blonde dude that's always well in the very end credit that drew was just talking about he's like shirtless with his long white blazer it's pretty great uh but throughout the movie he never gets injured never really seems stressed about anything shoots a lot of aliens protects buckaroo i mean he's all around a solid character i think yeah he looks like guy he looks like guy Ritchie, right or yeah yeah he looks like him and he also he wears that same white uh, jacket when they're performing their musical gig randomly <laughs> towards the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a, yeah, he's a striking figure. Um, can't blame you for picking him. Um, Derek, who, what, do you, what about you? I am going to be Rawhide because he's a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. Yeah, I, I actually really like that character just because of his voice. Um, mm-hmm. You mean you mean this voice, the one that just gets you all warm and cozy, and just want to enjoy like a 
a good beer on the porch. Okay, I'm gonna stop. That's you should have gone. I was like, that's good. You should have gone like a glass of whiskey though. But oh, the porch tricks too. Glass of whiskey. Damn right. Mm-hmm. That's okay. <laughs> Before I pick my character, we should mention a couple of the the big names in this movie. Um, Peter Weller is Buckaroo Banzai. He played RoboCop, and he's a pretty prominent '80s action star. I thought it was funny when we were watching this movie that he's at this time he's the the guy that you would think of as the lead um yet he starts off the movie kind of acting alongside jeff goldblum mm-hmm. um, who's playing a very jeff goldblumy scientist character conquistador <laughs> um, <laughs> a scientist in a conquistador uh outfit Confusing. for some yeah. reason but like because we grew up more with the with goldblum being the bigger star I would love to see his charisma with the the Buckaroo character um, mm-hmm. instead of P- Peter Weller is perfect as RoboCop where he's playing a half man half machine um, who's like trying to uh, you're supposed to see like a little bit of humanity beneath the surface of this like uh, person's who's had had their brain reconfigured but mm-hmm. if he's actually supposed to be human he's a little lacking. Um, like lacking emotion and acting ability. <laughs> yeah, like this movie has this this random backstory that what he lost his wife. Yeah, but I don't even understand. So he lost his wife and then somehow found his her twin who tried to kill him. I don't really get that story at all either. Trope alert. So this is a little bit of a lesser known trope, lesser known to me. It's called the backup twin. Oh, um, this are one. you serious? Yeah, this one. <laughs> so, oh. when a movie like either has a, you might know it more from TV shows where usually used for comic effect, like somebody will die off, and then all of a sudden their uh, person who looks exactly like them will show up. It happened on the latest Twin Peaks: The Return. Agent Cooper uh, dies, and then another Agent Cooper shows up. Um, it happened sort of in a serious way in the prestige, uh, not to give away mm-hmm. the big twist there, but just dead. But, <laughs> spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, Penny Pretty, uh, played by Ellen Barkin, is the the she doesn't even know she has a sister. <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah. Well, and then I was like, well, maybe her twin is from another dimension and like it never, she never met her or something. I was just trying to piece it together. It All it really does is make Buckaroo seem kind of creepy because he singles her out at the, the performance and she's crying and he gets her out of jail just because he looks like, she looks like his dead wife, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and he involves her in this her. whole plot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that he would, be in love with her but it's very deceptive and, and kind of misleading to her um all that said i'm going with the jeff goldblum character because he's the coolest and plays <laughs> piano and not the coolest dressed um no yeah there's this this random character who's wearing this really cool gear up shirt throughout the movie that i, I would pick just based on clothes alone but anyway I'll be um I'll settle for Goldblum. Jeff's raw or new let's use our nickname. So I'm New Jersey. I'm perfect, Tommy. <laughs> and I'm Rawhide. And here we go. Time for new release radio. Why am I doing the cowboy? <laughs> <laughs> here we go. I wish I could do it. Gold Goldblum voice. That'd be cool. Um <laughs> let's yeah, hear anyway. your 
your best Goldblum really quick. I I'd have to hear an, I'd have to hear another clip before we moved on to I maybe the cadence would be imitatable, but absolutely not the. I think you're imitation. having like a malfunction or something. <laughs> <laughs> you're Robocop. Time for a new release radio. Turn your dials to NR84. All right. So New Release Radio is where we give you a little taste of what was going on this week in 1984. You just heard the number 17 song up eight spots from last week on the Billboard Top 100 for the week of August 17th, 1984. The Warrior by Scandal featuring Patti Smith with a Y. I got really confused. (laughs) when I was researching this band, because it's not the punk rocker, Patti Smith. Um, it is uh, a lesser known Patti Smith. Someone should change Actually, their name. Just kidding. Yeah. Um, what's in the news this week? Sure. Um, so this week, President Reagan said something quite interesting um, about the Russians and kind of going towards or going back on last week's news um, with Red Dawn and the Russians involved there. Um, so we made a little bit of a mistake. Hmm. I've signed legislation that will outlaw Russia forever. We begin <laughs> bombing in five minutes. Wow, yeah. So he said that on, what was it? Like a... So it was just a radio uh, voice test. So he was making jokes about <laughs> signing legislation that would outlaw Russia forever. And everyone's laughing in the background. But then Russia got wind of it. And they're like, oh, we're going to declare war essentially but then they were kind of joking and even in the full news clip they said that maybe one of the russians was drunk joking about it so sounds like the ultimate like pre-twitter meme moment before mm-hmm. <laughs> before there was such a thing yeah um, it's it's like a little reminder that you you know people will say silly things but when you're the president you can't really <laughs> afford can't really to joke do that like with that? your yeah. biggest uh your biggest uh, foe. So, mm-hmm. how anyway. did Buck, how did Beckery do at the box office? Yeah, thanks for asking. So it didn't do very well. Um, oh. We saw it. We saw it in a nearly empty theater. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually its second week in release. So um, we wanted to see Red Dawn first, but Buckaroo was still playing in a whopping 183 theaters. <laughs> across the country and it came in at in 14th place with uh four hundred thousand dollars so one of our lowest grossing movies probably outside of the initiation which was just playing at drive-ins um the budget for this movie was the same as red dawn actually at 17 million and it only made uh six million so not um not a success. Uh, Red Dawn is near the top of the the box office. This new Clint Eastwood movie that we thought wouldn't be that interesting to see called Tightrope is actually number one with nine million. Um, and Ghostbusters in week eleven. <laughs> wow. <laughs> at number three. Yeah, that's what used to happen back in the day. Um, you don't see that as much anymore. Um, so yeah, actually, this was definitely a commercial flop. Uh, thus the no sequel but Mm -hmm. what about critically so critically mixed reviews and the audience seemed to love it critics were it was a little over 50 percent like 60 percent so 
everyone seemed to pretty much enjoy it. Um, but I'll read some reviews. So this is the section where I do uh, the segment where I do two critically acclaimed reviews and then one review that I did. So let's see if you can figure out which one. Two truths and a lie. Two yeah, I thought <laughs> two reviews and a lie. Yeah. Two true. Yeah, sure. Okay. Anyway, um, so the first review. Mm-hmm. This is a chaotic, notably unfunny science fiction spoof. Huh. Okay. Second, the characters each look like they are from a first-generation music video, speak like they are in a work of serious science fiction, and sound like a stepchild to Huey Lewis in the News. Okay. And third, a long, quirky blooper reel with a soundtrack that makes you forget that the movie is lame. I'm going to say you wrote the first one. I'm going to say she didn't write any of them because she likes to throw us curveballs. That's... Okay, the first one as well. So I wrote the third one. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I, the only reason I didn't think you wrote that one is because I thought the soundtrack was so unremarkable, except for the last, for the last song. So. Well, and they, but I, I mean, I like the soundtrack. I like the slow song he did to the girl. I thought that was funny. I liked yeah. his like electric guitar scene. I thought the music was pretty. I liked the soundtrack. Okay, that's probably the one of the only, besides the f- names, was the only thing I liked about the movie. So. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Harsh. Um, so wait, we know, I don't know if we've talked much so far about the fact that this is a, this movie really gained in popularity over time versus when it, when it came out. So it sort of fits the the prototypical definition of a, of a cult movie, which we'll get into, but are you saying that audience, I mean, like, what are you basing the audience response on at the time? Um, did people discover it right away? No, they didn't discover it until it was out of theaters. Okay. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely a cult classic in that regard because it pretty much bombed in, when it was released. Was that second review positive? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. it was. So some critics that were forced to, to see it had a good mm-hmm. time, which is nice. I mean, I it's hard to imagine. Um, like We went back in time to see it, but the way our time travel... Uh, works is that we still have our experiences from the present day so it's not like I have no idea what I would have made of this movie at the time like in the context of all the other movies that we've been watching it's clearly going for like making fun of those type of movies which I don't know if that holds up worse or better in hindsight because like uh, I guess what I was saying earlier is I like 80s movies that at least take themselves seriously like mm-hmm. even though they might be doing all this over the top ridiculous stuff i like the story to kind of suspend disbelief enough to where we can take it seriously um that's just my preference but at the time i wonder if people were like tired of seeing self-serious uh action movies in this really you know felt like a fresh a brush <laughs> a brush of fresh air <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> We're just, we've had a, a, a long day. Um, <laughs> do you have any uh, buried trivia treasures for us, Ashley? I do have some buried trivia treasures. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was testing myself so, there. So as you were saying at the very beginning of the podcast, um, Buckaroo Banzai is a pretty clever name. It's catchy. But it was originally called something else, the main character. Oh, any no. guesses on what his name was? Um, Billy Badass? Robert. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, Buckaroo Bandy. 
Bandy. I don't Bandy. Yeah, I'm not huh. really sure. Not catchy. Not great. So they scrapped it. But and then Buckaroo Bonsai came up, came to be. Well, but. the Bonsai comes from this. I'm, I'm, I was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't overly insensitive to Asian people or Japanese mm-hmm. people, but there's this backstory that we learned solely from a little text crawl at the beginning of the movie that he's half Japanese and half American, even though Peter Weller obviously is 100%. Well, yeah. he's half man, half cop, half robot, <laughs> but he's 100%. these halves working out? <laughs> yeah. He's he's 1.5 things, Um, none of which none of which are Japanese. So the the token like Japaneseism is that his name is Bonsai and he wears a headband sometimes, Um, and that explains like the American side is good at rock and roll and and, in rocket science, and the Japanese side is good at um, at martial arts and well actually maybe maybe that the science is on both sides because there is um a japanese character in the movie that's sort of a scientist right Mm -hmm. yeah and he even he does have that scene where he's kind of like meditating with all those japanese swords and like that trailer or whatever so he's just trying to play homage to like 50 percent of his culture which isn't really but you know yeah they um, explain it in the in the text thing is like this is why he's gathered such a diverse group of friends and has so many different skills is because he has this biracial mm-hmm. uh, parentage but okay well his, <laughs> so speaking of his parents um his mom which we don't talk, talk like it doesn't touch on at all but there's supposed to be a flashback scene that was cut from the movie but she's a really famous actress from the 80s any guesses as to who she is is she Japanese? She's not Japanese. Um, <laughs> so, um, Do you Melanie, want me to name a movie? Melanie She's Griffith? In? No. <laughs> She's in A Fish Called Wanda. Uh, I'm not going to give you the obvious one. So. I don't know. She's also in Halloween. Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. So that's his mom. Oh, wait, that was going to be his mom? Yeah. She was like his younger than him. Well, that was going to be his mom. And then they cut the scene. So maybe they saw the scene and was like, wait a second. She looks like a child. I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, she wasn't a child, but she would have been like in her mid twenties if she was like around eighteen or something when Halloween came out four years earlier. Mm-hmm. Then any, yeah. So yeah, got any more cool trivia for us? So one more thing. So Peter Weller, who plays Buckaroo Banzai, I mean, he's a genius and knows everything in the movie and adventure, etc. And in real life, he's actually getting his PhD as well, so he'll also be a doctor. Dr. Peter Weller and Dr. Buckaroo Banzai. Dr. Peter or Dr. Weller? Dr. Peter Weller. (laughs) His whole name. (laughs) I just remembered. It's part man, part machine, all cop. Is that your tagline for that? That's the tagline for RoboCop. RoboCop. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I am part bionic, so I think you might be talking about me. It's like 5%. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's enough get over um, it derek <laughs> a, a part is uh you know an indeterminate amount all right well on that note let's move on to our favorite segment rank the blank if you really believe you can make it then the power is in your own hands it's the I'm for the moment of truth, Ashley. Each week, 
we pick a topic inspired by this week's movie and we each and then we rank our submissions based on that topic so this week we're doing our personal favorite cult movies so that's very subjective we're not covering things like um the room or um, rocky horror picture show this isn't best cult movies of all time this is a personal list that we're going to make extra personal by ranking <laughs> each other's choices <laughs> so buckaroo bonsai obviously is included because from what i gathered and and ashley i'm curious if this is kind of the criteria you used but it's a pretty well a defined term what makes something a cult movie the the key uh qualifiers are that it wasn't fully appreciated at the time be it critically or commercially that it gained a lot in popularity over the years or that it had like a really intense a small but really intense uh fan base um which usually kind of picks up steam over the years so is that is that kind of how you looked at things, Ashley? Yeah, for the most part, minus one of my choices, but I'll explain why. <laughs> okay. Um, for me, um, oh yeah, so I'll talk about it with my with my first choice. There's one other kind of criteria that that I thought was helpful. So, my first choice is a movie that I think I've mentioned before. Yes. Ginger Snaps. Yeah, it's a couple it's a, of times, multiple <laughs> times, but it's, just, it's worthy. Just a few times. This is the one where um, Baxter gets eaten by the werewolf at the at the the beast of Bailey Downs at the beginning. It's a uh, movie about sisterhood and menstruation and werewolves, <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's it's a high school movie. It's Canadian horror. I mean, I love I love it is a genre film, but. As far as its cult status, um, I discovered this movie, you know, quote unquote, discovered it on like a scrambled HBO channel when it was in its third act. And I had I had not heard anything about it. So um, I thought I think kind of like a key criteria for this, for me, at least, was like I when I saw the when I saw the movie for the first time, I didn't already know it was a cult movie. Like if I saw if I went next week to a screening of The Room. I just don't think it would have, I would have the same sense of like ownership or be able to introduce it to other people. Um, Derek and I both described experiences where people wanted to share Buckaroo Banzai with us. Like, I feel like that's a cool aspect of a cult movie is that you know about it. Not like you don't want to keep it exclusive. You want to like share it with people and feel like you can um, turn them on to something cool. So. Definitely did that for me. Ashley, what's your first choice? So mine's, uh, you kind of ruined my set, my choice, but ah, it's fine. I'm just giving mine a head start. <laughs> um, so mine's a Big Lebowski, which everyone's now heard of. But when it first came out, it kind of, it kind of bombed in the box office. Um, it's opening weekend, which it placed sixth opening weekend, which is not great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it only ended up making $2 million more than it cost to produce. So it didn't do very well until it was released out of theaters and then everyone heard of it. Um, what, it which, is, classic. which is funny because the cast, the mm-hmm. Coen brothers created it. Um, the cast is popular. So like the fact that people just didn't um, appreciate the genius of it at first. <laughs> I know um, a friend of ours, Derek and mine here in Portland, Sam, he's got like a dude painting up 
on his wall. Like this is a movie that engenders a very passionate following. So with, at what point, um, it's not important that it's, that it's the cats out of the bag now, Ashley, but did you see this movie at a point where like you felt like you were part of the, the early cult or did you just see it later on? I saw it later on because friends recommended it to me. They're like, yeah. Oh, you have to watch it. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I watched, I was like, Oh, I get it. You know? Right. Sometimes, sometimes for me that, that hype is the problem. It's like, mm-hmm. if it's a movie that's just absurd, like, like Buckaroo and somebody is like, this is the most awesome movie ever. I go into it with my guard up a little bit, but um, let's hear a little, uh, a favorite moment from, from your choice, Ashley. Sure. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the fucking money, shithead? Oh, it's it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. Yeah, so Jeff Bridges' iconic performance is is kind of just like that. Not only did the movie itself become a cult, figure but that character is like one of the the most iconic cult characters um i give a lot of credit to the writing which Mm -hmm. is sort of what is the most interesting thing about my next choice um i've got another dark high school movie uh that's sort of my (laughs) my favorite (laughs) genre and heathers which came out in the late 80s 89 i believe um Obviously, I didn't watch it when it first came out, and I, and I was five because uh, if you do the math, I was born in eighty four, so eighty nine, five, yeah. Um, was, Fast math, yeah. <laughs> was like, I don't think it was a big hit at the time. It was one of those movies that critics appreciated, and everyone um, pointed out how memorable the the writing and the dialogue was. Um, so. I just watched it again yesterday and it has a little bit of buckaroo syndrome where it starts off so strong and distinct and then it gets so kind of like absurd that you lose a little bit of touch with the characters. Although I would say uh, Winona and Christian Slater's performances are way more in enrapturing than uh, anybody in, in buckaroo, but um, let's get a little, a little taste of, of Winona's, uh, constant voiceover (laughs) dear diary heather told me she teaches people real life she said real life sucks losers dry if you want (laughs) to fuck with the eagles you have to learn to fly nice nice f-bombs in both of our clips uh Mm -hmm. there was a night a little i've got a little bit of my own trivia ashley um oh i want to give you some trivia i wonder if it's the same one go for it is it about jack nicholson Nope. Okay, you go first. Then I'll go. <laughs> Mine's related to the dialogue. So, the uh, the OED, a sort of the the all encompassing dictionary, is this is that that when some when a new word appears in pop culture or print or somewhere, it gets referenced in uh, the OED. And this one, this movie has more sort of uh, citations than than any other movie, at least at the time. So, the the kind of like fuck fuck me with a chainsaw heather there's just all these like memorable quotable lines from from this movie uh but what was your trivia 
Oh, my trivia was that um, throughout the movie, Christian Slater's impersonating Jack Nicholson and as like an homage to him because he's a big fan. And then he tells Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson doesn't care at all about it. <laughs> he's so. also, he's playing a James Dean, not even mm-hmm. a James Dean-like character. He's playing, his name is JD and he's like Johnny Dean or something. Um, <laughs> so so it's, cool. it's pretty, it's pretty uh, literal homage. Um, on the Nicholson front, the writer of this movie had some pretty grand ambitions for the level of, of satire he was going for here. So he he tried to get Stanley Kubrick, the director of The Shining, and um, all sorts of, of iconic movies, uh, Dr. Strangelove, which is one of the the most critically acclaimed satires of all time. He He thought that this could be like <laughs> the right tone for a Kubrick movie, which is kind of funny. But uh, would have loved to have seen that. So mm-hmm. remake, but, yeah, that would be um, if if that ever happened, I would be super excited. What's uh, what's your next choice, Ashley? Sure. So my next choice. So my next choice did well in the box office, and a lot of people have seen it. Hmm. But I think it's more of a cult classic because it was mo- one of the most banned books of all time. Um, and it was the Germans said that the book was deemed harmful to minors and had numerous sales restrictions placed on it was first released. I'm talking about American psycho by Brett Easton Ellis. Mm. Um, he also included an interview a few years ago that he didn't think that the novel would ever become a movie. Like it wouldn't, wasn't gonna be possible to make. So that's why it's on my list for choices um, of cult classic. Everyone's heard of it. It's really disturbing, really well written. Um, yeah, I it's one of my favorite movies, so. <laughs> I agree. I didn't know it was, I thought it, I mean, I think it definitely qualifies as a cult classic because uh, at the time when I saw it, I didn't mm-hmm. know of a ton of people talking about it or, you know, that it had a huge following. Um, weirdly enough, like all of his books get made into movies, less than zero, rules of attraction. They're mm-hmm. all written in the same kind of like <laughs> style about, about uh, completely vapid, superficial characters um doing horrible things to each other and yet it makes for compelling uh <laughs> compelling movies sometimes yeah well that and i mean american psycho i feel like a lot of people didn't watch it because it's just so disturbing Directed and even by reading, a woman as well mm-hmm. have you read the book yes i have i had to stop reading it i need to like start it back up again but it's just it's tough read <laughs> yeah um disturbing do you want to hear a clip from christian bale's character Sure do. There is an idea of a Patrick Bateman, some kind of abstraction, but there is no real me, only an entity, something illusory. And though I can hide my cold gaze, and you can shake my hand and feel flesh gripping yours, and maybe you can even sense our lifestyles are probably comparable, I simply am not there. So... This movie is set, it came out in the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very much, I mean, it's all about the excess and the superficial nature of the 80s. So it fits in nicely with, um, it's all, I mean, there's there's monologue after monologue about 80s bands like Huey Lewis in the News and, and, uh, and so on. So this is a good tie-in to the 80s. Um, it came out in 2000, just a minor Yeah, question. okay. Yeah. So, but it was... Yeah, it's definitely a uh, a period piece. I don't know when the mm-hmm. book came out. Um, I guess um, in the early '90s. Yeah, so he was writing it probably in the '80s, and then you know, mm-hmm. 
anyway. We've got one more selection coming in from Derek. What's it going to be? Oh, man, I don't remember what it is, man. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. God damn, I was in that shit, man. I never had no dope like that before in my life, man. That's the heaviest shit I ever smoked, man. I mean, I smoked a lot of shit before, man. But God damn, man, that's heavy shit. Yeah, I feel like I definitely didn't see the Cheech and Chong. I I don't even know if I've I've seen a full one. But, like, I wasn't... that They came like huge cult figures i just i just was like oblivious to that that whole um their whole thing you'll have you'll you'll have to watch that soon drew uh you have to it's so good i've never seen it either i haven't seen it either i just remember the only exposure i had to teach and chong was there in that 70s show i think or one of them was and that's the only thing i know about him yeah i think it was chong that was in that show i mm-hmm. could i mean it's a 50 50 choice but. right <laughs> he was also i mean yeah they've become co- such or at least tommy chong has become such a cult figure that he pops up in all sorts of of stuff there was a nick cage movie color out of space where he's this like conspiracy I saw dude. that. yeah he's the guy in the cabin mm-hmm. um, that movie is weird yeah so okay we've got um what is that six selections to rank um we like to start from bottom to top. <laughs> Wait, I want to go into Instagram poll first. Oh, of course. Yeah. Because it could sway some stuff. Just throwing it out there. Um, so the runner ups were The Room, which makes sense. Donnie Darko, which we didn't mm. have on our list. Oh, yeah, and, the, and The Big Lebowski won. So interesting. Several people said Big Lebowski, actually. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Donnie Darko is a good one. We've talked about that. Um, because of spartial motion, spartial, spark, sparkle, sparkle motion, the, the dance group, but that's it's a partial sparkle. Sparkle. That motion. one, that one would definitely fit my personal criteria. That like I saw it, it was probably already a cult movie, but I I didn't know, so it felt like really uh, personal and and like something I hadn't seen before. Um, that's a perfect example. That was a huge flop, and it mm-hmm. just got more and more popular over time. They've released all these special editions. So we've got all of our selections in. Now it's time to rank them. We like to go bottom to top, or at least I do. Um, so Ashley, what do you think we should start with uh, at the bottom of the list here? I hate to say it, but Buckaroo Bonsai. Not a fan of this movie, huh? No, I feel like it could be like below the bottom of the choices. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely, a, it's definitely a cult movie for other people just not for us um yeah so you know even people we know (laughs) potentially but so okay it's not going to rank near the top of our personal choices unfortunately the same logic sort of applies to Derek's choice Cheech and Chong he's just a little bit outnumbered because of our ignorance um so I'm going to say that's probably second to last the real debate um is between Heathers and American Psycho for um, second or third. So, Ashley, what are your what's your thought there? Oh, this is a really tough one. Um, I actually am probably going to say Heathers over American Psycho. Although I really want to root for American Psycho, I feel like Heathers. I wanted more people to watch it after I watched it, which kind of gives into the whole cult following thing um whereas american psycho is a little bit harder for me like hey come watch this like really graphic horror movie with me so i'm gonna go with heathers I guess. yeah heathers is a nice mix of like 
it references the type of movies that a lot of people have seen and mm-hmm. it's it's really like pushing the boundaries within that format of of high school movie but it's not if you're not like comfortable with uh ultra violence and and the satire will just be of American Psycho will be lost on someone if they're just not into the the violence. So yeah, I think Heather's is a little more like um, it's was well, definitely more fun. Yeah, <laughs> of a movie. Um, so based on the poll results, that puts uh, Big Lebowski at number one. Woo! Winner. Heather's coming in second. American Psycho third. My beloved ginger snaps fourth but i get that that's <laughs> that's the most personal choice on the list probably mm-hmm. um and then cheech and buckaroo cheech chong and buckaroo bonsai that should be a they should all team up right or they cheech and chong should join his um hong kong cavaliers yeah cheech and chong hong kong cavaliers buck and buckaroo bonsai Say yeah across the what dimension <laughs> yeah the anth- dimension the dimension yeah yeah <laughs> Fun. Well, we um, it was very helpful to have a tiebreaker with uh, the poll, so we'll keep doing that each week. Let's um, let's round into our final categories here, Ashley. We've got um, Saturn Awards, which usually skew towards sci-fi and genre movies. I'm guessing this movie won some stuff, maybe. It did not, but it was okay. nominated, so it tried to win. Um, so for the Saturn Awards, which is like the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, um, John Lithgow was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, which I thought he was terrible. So not really sure. He had this like thick, um, heavy Italian accent that he actually learned from a guy he met on set, and he recorded his accent and then like repeated it back to him. And that's how oh, interesting. He yeah. Was, so yeah, it was a waste. He was wasted. I mean. I think he's one of the things that people remember about this movie because mm-hmm. that character is so such an over-the-top villain. But he's just not that interesting. He's interesting looking no. and he's talking weird. But yeah. right, but, but I couldn't even understand what he was saying. It was like to the point where I was like, I don't, I don't know what's happening. So well, sometimes he was unintelligible, like um, doing Derek's alien voice, but. Um, <laughs> Other times, yeah, he was actually speaking English and still. It was bad, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's unfortunate. Um, any Ashley Awards? Uh, I don't get it. Award. Yeah, <laughs> don't it. you don't get I the... I don't get the cult, the cult following. I don't really get the story. I mean, I get the story, but then all like the subplots and side stories that don't make sense. It just doesn't resonate with me at all. I don't get it. The whole movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Sorry, um, everyone. <laughs> for my favorite old school prop of the movie basically i didn't mention this in the things i i loved segment but the set design it's just another i'm constantly in awe of these 80s movies that have um futuristic sets that are that consist of like hundreds of old crt tvs like these big consoles with all sorts of wires hanging out of them it's like so much uh work goes into Mm -hmm. building this like future set and i feel like that stuff it doesn't hold up as the actual future but it holds up as still looking really cool it doesn't look as cheesy as like say the the alien makeup so any Mm -hmm. of those basically 
Well, in the, like, the super tall chairs they were sitting in, the aliens are sitting in mm. for no reason. Like, I don't even know how they got into those chairs, but that was pretty cool looking. Yeah. Maybe my prop should be the transistor oscillator gizmo thingy. Oscillation overthruster. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the purse rocket. Um, yeah. Wait, that sounds <laughs> so, that sounds terrible. Okay. On a scale of one to 84. How 80s is this 1984 release? This one's going to be interesting because we didn't love the movie, but it's, pretty... it's undeniably 80s. Yeah. So try to be fair. Okay. So the cast, very 80s. Um, the style, which is incredible. Very 80s. Um, music. The music, the soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack. The science fiction, like wardrobe and the props. Uh, it's pretty it's even a, dang it, 80s. It, it wasn't it wasn't like John Hugh sometimes we've used the criteria of was it like does it uh exemplify the eighties in terms of pop pop culture? Mm-hmm. This one, because of the cult status, it's almost like transcends that time period. It it's more niche. So it it doesn't maybe get as many points as a as a sixteen candles would. Or Ghostbusters is just like one of the first movies you think of from the eighties. But conversely to that, it's like only a movie that would have existed then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna give it like a seventy-two. Uh, yeah. So for reference, we've got Ghostbusters at eighty, and Sixteen Candles at seventy-nine, um, and then a couple other movies up in the high seventies as well. I, I'm resistant to put it. Um, higher than any of those movies because Mm -hmm. of that one criteria of it's just not like what somebody would think of when they think of the 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 80s and movies but yeah i'm gonna have to say around a 75 (laughs) whoa pretty high okay yeah derek did you want to uh crunch your numbers and give us (laughs) the output uh how serious they took the film but included just ridiculous jokes and uh, kind of spread that throughout the entire film. That gets a seventy-five by itself. Wow. Okay. Real, well, okay. All right. You might break the scale here. It's a hundred and ten. <laughs> but nothing. But it gets no points for anything else. No, no I'm not done. Okay. <laughs> so the actors, I would give it a four, only based off of how much points I gave it because it, how serious it took itself at the time. Right. Did so it really take itself that seriously? <laughs> absolutely, didn't it, Drew? Well, it, I I would I would clarify I would call it committing to what it is. So it's not trying to fool anyone into thinking it it's a a real action movie, but it is going it is amping up everything it's doing like at every turn. So the the wardrobes are all as over the top as they could be. The um character description you know the character names pretty much exemplify it like rather than giving them actual human names they just give them the most ridiculous names possible so yes it's going for it but uh, like i was saying earlier i like movies that go for it and play it straight at the same time like maybe i just don't like movies that are campy um not that that has anything to do with (laughs) Not, yeah, well, not that that has anything to do with this 
how 80s it is it's mm-hmm. just that's just a preference thing like same with the you know the comedies we've discussed like i like the comedies that are a little more character based than um sound effect and 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 like sight gag based this was just all about like goofiness and over the top uh cheese so what do you think derek now (laughs) so how seriously they took it but included like legitimately ridiculous jokes uh still seven five (laughs) actors four and soundtrack four so that gives us an 84 no way get out of here no 83 yeah no so it's our most 80s movie yet is that was that what you're saying uh, I guess I should take 10 off the, <laughs> the premise of the film. So we get a 73. Okay. I mean, well, the thing is, you might be right because, I mean, there's no right answer unless, you know, you have a foolproof algorithm that you're using. But the thing is, we are just like, we are docking at points, I'm pretty sure, because we didn't like it. Uh, yeah. But... It's not I mean, an, still it's, 70s is pretty high. Yeah, exactly. So I would so. say I would say low to mid 70s is 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 fair. Yeah, no, um, I agree. All right, didn't, Ashley, didn't quite make the list, but close we, contender. I think, I think um, yeah, it's not gonna it's not gonna knock out any of our top five for now, but um, we'll see if it ever changes in our our estimation. Would you recommend someone watching this or some kind of Redux new take on it? Definitely not watching it. Um, I think they should just leave it as is. Yeah, it's been it's been made into books, comic books, and a video game that came out on like Apple II computers. Um, nice. <laughs> right as the movie was coming out, so I guess they anticipated it to be a little bit more of a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man, I'm torn. Like I don't. I, this is we've talked a lot about cult movies. I don't want to uh, piss in anyone's cereal or whatever the expression is, but as far as for me, I'm not going to go around evangelizing it or, you know, signing petitions to have, have it brought back in a modern form. I could with eighties nostalgia at peak power currently, uh, this is not the kind of movie that, you want to it's already commenting on the 80s so you add another layer of commentary years later on top of that and it just gets really like um circle jerky so um derek do you recommend uh you recommend this i recommend a single watch if they should remake it no they shouldn't uh (laughs) Spaceballs exists, Tropic Thunder yeah. exists, Austin Powers exists. They kind of all take themselves True. seriously. Not not nearly as serious as this film does, but there are other films that do this justice. So no, no remake. Okay. Um, what kind of <laughs> treatment are we going to give this in our wax museum or are we just going to lock the door and, and not let it in? It's going to go in with um, Baldwin. Or was it? No, Sheen. Sorry. Yeah, the Sheen wing. We're yeah. Throw it into the closet. And Make then... the closet a little bit bigger. Put that in there. Yeah, maybe Peter Weller can be the janitor to Sheen's um, usher or whatever they're, they're doing back there. <laughs> um, all right. Well, it was 
a little bit of a disappointing movie, but I think that's all going to change next week when we watch a truly undiscovered cult movie with this next fantasy adventure choice. She was an innocent in a savage world, but her peaceful paradise is about to become a battlefield. Now she is threatened with the destruction of her people and the one man she loves. She is an ancient prophecy fulfilled. She is Sheena. And she <laughs> alone has the power to save paradise. Rated PG. Now playing oh, at a theater man. near you. She is Sheena. Wow, how'd they come up with that one? Um, this is sort of a Tarzan meets Conan meets um, sexy lady in the jungle movie. Perfect. <laughs> um, I had not uh, heard of this. We'll talk about our backstories next week. But after I saw the trailer in the theaters at for Buckaroo, uh, I just pushed really hard to convince y'all to, that we would travel back for it next week. Are, we'll are y'all on board? We'll see how it turns out. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah on board. Why not? <laughs> we can always see the Clint Eastwood movie. No, Sheena, it is. Okay. Uh, I mean, I might stay for a double feature. Ooh, okay. I'm down. All right. Well, if you want to see what Sheena is all about, you should subscribe to the podcast by searching New Release 1984 on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you find podcasts. That's a wrap. So nice. It reminds me of Anchorman. Do you remember that scene when all the people came back together and yeah. they were walking around? They took it from the studio. We didn't even I didn't even do the most obvious trope alert. Just curtain call. <laughs> where you bring all the characters back at the end.